Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, it's a Scream 6 spoiler spectacular with radio silence. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. And yes, every once in a while, we get one of these fun opportunities to dig into a movie that I know the audience uh, has such passion for and really wants to get uh, the inside dirt on after the fact. So this is that. Scream 6. We're digging into it with the filmmakers behind Scream 5 and now Scream 6. Uh, they are Radio Silence. They are Matt Bettinelli Open, Tyler Gillett, and Chad Valella. This was a great chat, and I know you guys are going to dig um, this conversation with three uh, like minded gentlemen, I think. We have similar sensibilities, reference points, and um, they just seem like awesome, awesome guys, and they've been really. Um, you know, I was going to say killing it, but I guess that's too obvious a, a phrase to use with respect to the Scream franchise. But they truly are. Uh, Scream 6, for my money, is better than the last Scream. Uh, and Scream might be, how about this as a provocative statement, is Scream the most consistently entertaining horror franchise? I might go with it. Just pound for pound. All the movies are solid, right? Is there a dud in the bunch? Do you hate Scream 3? I don't hate Scream 3. Scream 4? Some people love Scream 4. I don't know. We're going to dig into all of its spoilers included in just a minute. But before we get to that, some reminders. New York folks, we got two really cool events coming up and a virtual option for one of them um, for those of you that can't be with us in New York City. So first up, March 22nd over at Symphony Space. It's me and Jody Comer, guys. I'm so excited. Uh, this one is going to be a fantastic night talking about her entire career and looking ahead to her Broadway debut. She's coming off a West End run where she won a bunch of awards for Prima Facci? Facci? I need to learn how to pronounce the uh, the show before I see it and talk about it, but that, that's, that's on me. Um, suffice it to say, this one-woman play uh, is supposed to be fantastic, no surprise, and we're going to talk about that, upcoming film roles, past roles, Killing Eve, anything that pops into my brain. Um, so come on out. March 22nd at Symphony Space. Tickets are available. The link is in the show notes, uh, and we are donating all the proceeds for this. My proceeds to Harlem is my mom's nonprofit that documents the history, the cultural history of Harlem. So it's all for a good cause, and it's going to be fantastic. Um, I guarantee it. Then, on March 28th, guys, new guest to the podcast, someone I've really always wanted to chat with at length, Matthew Reese. Oh, this man is, this is a charming gentleman. Wait till you, wait till you get a load of Matthew if you haven't already. He is, of course, the star of so many great projects, and we're going to talk about it all, from the Americans to the new season of Perry Mason, which has just debuted on HBO. I can't wait to dig into the new season. I'm hearing it's better than the last, and Matthew, in my limited interactions with him, is one of the more entertaining, funny, charming gentlemen on the planet. So this should be a fun one. March 28th at 8 p.m. at 92NY, me and Matthew Reese, a new guest to the pod. And for that one, if you can't be with us in person, there is a live virtual option. So get your tickets now. And a reminder, Patreon folks get the first early word and they get the discount codes. They get a little bit of money off of it. So if you want to sign up to Patreon, patreon.com slash happy, sad, confused gets you all the uh, the doodads, the whistles, the, uh, the extra stuff. So uh, check it out. 
Okay, so let's get to the main event. Um, this is your spoiler warning. Uh, Scream 6, if you haven't seen it yet, we do get into some uh, some kills, who lives, who dies, some, yeah, all the dirt. So proceed with caution and um, enjoy my chat. These guys, if you don't know it already, um, they have really been on this fantastic upward trajectory as a filmmaking team. Um, directing uh, parts of the VHS series, then hitting it big with Ready or Not with Samara Weaving. Uh, Samara now is in the new Scream movie. I'm not going to say as who or what in, in case you haven't bailed yet. Spoiler, you know, you know, spoilers <laughs> ahead. Um, but, uh, and they've got a bright future. They also have signed up potentially to direct the new Escape from New York movie, which, uh, if you know me at all, of course I brought it up. Of course I'm going to bring up a John Carpenter sequel, prequel, whatever this is, um, you'll find out in a few minutes. Um, enjoy my chat with Matt, Tyler, and Chad, and in case you're wondering who's who, I'm not sure either, but they're radio silence, that's all you need to know. Enjoy my chat. All right, gentlemen, uh, this has been a long time coming. I'm a big fan of Radio Silence. Um, Matt, Tyler, Chad, welcome officially to Happy Sad Confused. Um, this is this is a big. We're moment. fans of yours as well. This oh, is a exactly. big moment for yeah. us too, man. Thank you so much for having us on. I was <laughs> nervous before this. No joke. I was like, oh man. <laughs> no, no, please. If you've heard or seen any of my work, I am not intimidating in any way. You are in. Uh, you're 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 among friends. Um. So, but I do want to suss out each of you a little bit to get a sense of each of you. So, who's the most? Who has the most fucked up ideas of the three of you? Who's the one on set that's like a little more blood? Put the blade in a little further, twist it. Who's the one to watch out for? Well, just to say it, it sounds like you've been on our sets because that's the conversation we have right? <laughs> almost every time. More sweat, more blood, more violence. I honestly, I, mean, I think, yeah, we, we're just like always pushing each other towards the edge of the cliff. I think that's what's so fun about working with your friends is it's, you know, it's a very alive and organic and in the moment process. And it's, it's never like, oh, just one idea. It's always one idea. And then the yes and game. The yes starts. ending. And yeah, I think exactly. that's, yep. yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's how we end up with, you know, ultimately what, what's on screen. Is there a voice of reason in the group? Is there someone that says, guys, this has been fun, but let's, we got to just get the shit done now? I would say not in terms of the violence or the blood or the spritz or anything like that. It's uh, it's usually like one of our department heads or one of the actors being like, "All right, guys, I'm shiny enough," or what, whatever, um, to get or the, our producer William. Yeah, he's or kind William. of the voice yeah. of reason in this group. He's like the the one of the like the fourth member of Radio Silence. He's the guy that's usually like, "Yo, let come on, we gotta move, we gotta move on. <laughs> we're right. actually here to make a movie, not just have fun." <laughs> Now talk to me a little. For the, the uninitiated, yes, we, we. I'm not talking to like this uh, hard rock group. They are radio silence. They have a name. They are. They are. Uh, this is unusual. Like I've talked to you know brothers, many brothers over the years. Like first, tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. Have you ever been actually credited as radio silence? Because the DGA, in my experience, is not so keen on like letting any duos direct, let alone yeah. fun names. Um, so, so how does that work? We, we, we were credited as radio silence before joining the DGA. Got it. And then, and then you're right. The DGA has a very, uh, very strong policy on the number of directors. And so you have to go through this whole process just to get co-director, you know, credit that in and of itself is like a 
a gauntlet. A gauntlet. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. no, I've heard, I've yeah. heard about it. I've heard about this because my, my brother's a writer and has a, has a partner, and they co-directed at some point. And it's like you go through this like tribunal. You like it's like Michael yep. Mann and other directors like in the guild are yeah. like standing watching you, and you have to prove to them genuinely that terrifying, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was. We walked into a room, and it was when when we went in and and got our waiver. Um, we were told, oh, it's going to be a small thing. You know, it's a handful of members. Maybe some people will be joining via the, you know, via the the conference line. And it just happened to land the date that we went into to meet there was um, was Oscar weekend. So everybody was in town, and so we walked into the, the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was legit. It was like twenty people sitting around, you know, big big circular conference room table. I mean, it looked like the war room <laughs> and, and then there were actually seats. There was like a spectator section and there were a bunch of other people that showed up and were there. I mean, it was, it's still, I like, I'm in a flop sweat right now. even thinking about yeah, it. It was, <laughs> so, it was so scary. Far scarier than anything in your movies is this uh, tribunal. <laughs> so, and, and, uh, and for the, uh, for the uninitiated, how did you land the name radio silence? Was there a backup name? Where, how did we get here? The Radio Silence name came from us, you know, when we were just kind of getting started and we kept sending ideas and projects and pitches and trying to get going. Every single thing we ever put out into the world, we would never hear anything back. So the joke between us was always just, hey, did you hear from so-and-so? Radio Silence, Radio yeah. Silence, Radio Silence. And then uh, when we were doing VHS, we got a call before going up to Sundance or before the before the credits were put on that. Uh, from Brad Miska, who produced that movie. And he was like, so who do I credit? And literally, we were just like on text being like, uh, we just got to come up with a name. And it was like four minutes later, we were like, oh, we're gonna silence. perfect. So now that you're uh, in demand, was... <laughs> say, now that you're in demand, is there an urge to go like ringing off the hook productions or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I honestly, I think that there's something, I, one of the things that we now love about how that, the meaning of that, of that name, that title has evolved is I, I think it'll always remind us of how we started and how, sure. you know, it was always just about, I think we all, we all came up in a way where we knew that if we wanted to do what we wanted to do, we were going to either have to ask for permission and yep. wait a really long time to get our foot in the door or we could all join forces and just start making stuff on our own. And I think that, you know, even though we're we're obviously a couple of studio movies into our careers now, that is still very much like that that humble approach is still very much how we um how we approach the process. And I and I think that it's just a reminder of how to always how to always be in this in this business and in this process, right? To like make sure that it's always about the right thing first, which for us is like hanging out with good people and your friends and creating a community and, and then going and, and making something fun and hopefully designing it in a way that it, it never feels like, like work. Well, and, and, yeah, I, and, and, and the, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say the fear of, uh, you know, the fear never leaves either of like, this might be the last time, like we might not put get it, this chance. Yeah. Again. Put it all no, out on the table. We got yeah, it. Yeah. Totally. That's, that's important. Well, I, I, and I do think yeah. that that's why these these screen films also are working. Not only are you clearly putting your heart and soul and effort into this, but you're fusing. This is doesn't feel like a money job. While it's, I'm sure it does well for you guys, et cetera. Like this is like what you love, and you brought your sensibilities and your passions. And like anybody that's seen your previous work, it's like, oh, this makes sense. This isn't like them just taking the first like studio gig they could get after Ready or Not. This like, this is kind of. If they didn't create Scream, they might have tried to create something like Scream themselves. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so, okay. So, let's, yeah. so before we get to Scream 6, let's talk about getting Scream 5 or whatever we want to call the last Scream movie. Um, what was, <laughs> what was the process in a nutshell? Like, were you, did you go in and pitch? Um, and, and what was, you know, what was the gauntlet to get that gig? No, we actually didn't have to pitch on that one. I, that was, it was one of the, the, the strangest experiences we've ever had because, you know, up until that moment, it was, um, it was the experience that, that I think everybody has, right? Like you're, you're just banging your head against the wall. You're meeting after meeting, you're sending things out, you're receiving things and trying to attach to them. I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of chaos and on the heels of, uh, of ready or not coming out, which was, you know, produced by the project X guys. And, um, that script shares a writer in common with, with scream guy Busick. Uh, we, uh, we knew that Jamie and Guy were co-writing something in secret. They wouldn't tell us what it was. Okay. And we, and, and we had no, and we had no idea. We didn't even have any predictions. And, um, and then very strangely, uh, the project X guy set us, set us up, uh, at a meeting with Spyglass who had the rights to scream. And we didn't even know that at the time. And it was sort of strange. You know, usually meetings get set up through your through your reps, but our buddies were setting up this meeting, and it was very naive. We were like, "Oh, they just want to connect us with with other good people and some friends of theirs." And in that meeting, uh, Gary Barber, the head of Spyglass, just mentioned very casually, "Jamie's Jamie is writing Scream. Jamie and Guy are writing are writing Scream for us," and we were just like super stoked to know that our good buddies were involved in one of our favorite franchises. We had no idea that they were planting the seed for us to, to come in and, and ultimately direct it. Um, and then we got the call a few days later, like, will you guys come to the office? We want you to read a hard copy of a hard copy of this, uh, of this script. And um, I mean, it was, I, the, well, I don't think we'll ever forget that moment of sitting in that conference room, like page turning the script and stopping and looking up at each other. Like, is this fucking real? Like, is this, a, is this actually happening? I mean, it was such a, um, it was such a fantasy and the script was so good. It was just undeniably good. I think if you'd asked us the day before, do you guys ever want to jump into the Scream franchise? We would have said, fuck no, like too much pressure, too crazy. Right. It's too beloved for us. And then you read, we read the script and it was like, it was, it was undeniable. Yeah, yeah. It also took us about four hours to read the script. And I remember we were sitting in the conference room and Jamie just po kept poking his head in being like, are you guys, are you guys okay? Are you able to read it? Like, what's going on? Like, what is taking you so long? You just kept checking on us. But it was just like, it was like, it was, the script was so packed with just emotion and just like a love and passion for everything Scream that it was just undeniable. And, and honestly, just flipping through the pages, you just, you felt the love, you felt the fandom, you felt all, all of the emotions you get, like, you know, to be able to work on a franchise that is part of the reason why you make movies. Right. Yeah. And it, it was, th that was just a magical day. Um, and it was like really fun and so, we are able to read it. Just, we were just really dissecting. <laughs> <laughs> no, only one of you can read. You have to read to the other two. Right. Yeah. You read, yeah. out loud read out loud to each other. Yeah, That's exactly. why there are three of them. <laughs> so let's go back a full oh, ages ago, uh, about 14 months ago, uh, your last movie comes out. Um, how many of the ideas were already in place? And, and, and give me also a sense of how you work with the writers, because obviously this is a partnership in in, in every way between Radio Silence, but also between the, the two writers of these films. Um, when did it, the discussions really begin about what this movie could be and, and how much was even being discussed while you're making the last Scream film? 
I think on the last one, you know, we were so focused on doing doing a good job and making sure that it worked. And I don't I don't think anybody I mean, maybe like little fleeting dreams of another one. But I think it was really like we have to make this work. Let's make this work. And then as soon as it started to come together, you know, there were conversations, but they started writing Scream 6 before before Scream uh, 5 came out. And we got, I think we read the draft like the week Scream 5 came out, right? Does that, does that feel yeah, right? I think, that, then, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, but we it's have all a, a blur. <laughs> it is kind of a blur. It's just like Ghostface <laughs> for like three years. But uh, they, uh, but us and Guy and Jamie have like a really, really collaborative relationship. And a, we're, we're, we have a text chain that is constantly going about stupid, silly things and then also about work things. And, you know, we've really grown to trust them over Ready or Not Scream and now Scream 6, where I feel like whenever there's something that's not quite working or it's not hitting for us in the way we want it to, they can either explain it or they use that as a jumping off point to go change it. And it's 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 such a it's such a like a it just feels so safe working with them because right. and in a good way, not like in a safe or lazy way, but in a way that like we can all trust each other, we can all link up and we know we're going to get it there because we know what we all want and we all trust each other's instincts and sensibilities. I want to, okay. So this is the the fair warning. We've already given some warnings, but let's start to get into some, some, some real spoilers for this film. Okay. Yeah. If you haven't seen screen get six, get the hell out of here, guys, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, so, okay. There, there are some big swings in, in this film as there always are in the screen films, but like, I mean, among them, obviously the setting of New York as a New Yorker, I love seeing, seeing New York as a setting, especially just the ghost face in different contexts. Amazing. But also the <laughs> shift, the shift in, in the center of the story. And while the last film was certainly shifting from these quote unquote legacy characters, to this new generation, this one really does. This one like doubles down. I feel like, and while we have Gail and she has an amazing sequence in there, it is really about your core four. So talk to me, I guess for each of you, what felt like the biggest exciting swing about this what what got you jazzed about making this this film in a nutshell what felt like the biggest swing i mean i i think that i think that you said it really well i i mean side of new york which i think for us just that was the first thing we learned about this project um was that it was going to be set in the big city and we were extremely excited by the possibilities that that presented but i think what we were what we maybe weren't expecting was the level of character depth that was gonna that was gonna be at the heart of what this story is, and I think you know that's um, ultimately maybe the thing we're most proud of in this movie is that for as violent and crazy and frenetic as the set pieces are, that that's really balanced by these quiet moments where you really get to dig deep into those those characters and those relationships. And I think for us, if we kind of look back on what we really love about all the screen movies, but particularly that first movie it's how patient that movie is with with its characters um and how it never it's never accelerating you through the moments that make you really care and really feel and it's one of the things that is um i think emerged as like a key ingredient in this in this franchise and so i think that you know those two things coupled together it felt like weirdly like a crazy swing, but also like a return to form, you know, uh, that, that first movie, I think really kind of, um, is the, is the perfect blueprint for. Yeah. And just jumping off that a little bit too, I think one of the most fun things, um, 
that we learned on Scream 5 was being introduced to Melissa and Jenna and Jasmine and Mason and being like, oh, we're just scratching the surface yeah. with what they can do. Like, let's really like, like this next movie with, 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 with six, like let's, let's hang the movie on their shoulders and like, let them have at it. It's their time. And, uh, and to be honest, we would work with them again on any movie, all, all four of them. Like, it just like, they're the best human beings, the most talented individuals. And I think just being able to put the franchise on their shoulders was, it was just like, it was freeing in a way and also very fun and also kind of safe because we knew they were great. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty wonderful that way. Okay, so so can we have the, the the Nev Campbell portion of the conversation out of the way? I know it's a bit uncomfortable, but it it has to be said that like, look, obviously there was an intention for her to be in this film, um, at some point, and the timing seemed interesting to me just because it sounded like she like announced that she wasn't going to be in it for, and you can look it up why you know the the disagreements, um, but right when you guys were shooting, like up until the last minute, were you planning to have Sydney in this film? Like up until you started rolling cameras, it. You know, I mean, I think just first, first, just to say it, you know, we, we had a lot of private conversations with Nev and we're like huge fans of hers and we're huge fans of Sydney and we absolutely support her choice to not do this. You know, I mean, it was like, I know it wasn't easy for her. It's something she's, you know, been a part of her life for 25 years. Um, and, you know, and we didn't want to in any way disrespect that while we were in pre-production we were like you know whatever's going to work best for you you let us know we'll keep this communication open and uh but when we found out she wasn't going to do it 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 was hard and i think we all were kind of frazzled because we were like okay how do we do this what are we going to do now you know we need to know what we're making like it it becomes a very like just a practical thing what what, what is this going to be yeah right yeah it's just the actual process of making the thing uh when the gears are already moving yeah um but again, I think it's really credit to everybody on, in the crew and Jamie and Guy to be able to pivot really quickly when we needed them to. And there there was a structure, like there was a foundation in this script that was very strong. And that foundation never really changed that much. And I think that's kind of at the end of the day, what really got us yeah. through it. You know, um, so it's, it's, it's teamwork really at the end of the day. And yeah, it was, you know, to be honest, it was very hard and, you know, we were very bummed out about it, but sure. it's, you know, we also took that as a, okay, kind of to what Tyler was saying a few moments ago, we need to make sure that we really, um, we make sure that the audience hopefully can fall in love with these new characters in this movie, the way we all fell in love with those original characters in the original movie. Did any of her function in the story fall on any other characters when you shifted? Like, did you find that like Sydney's function shifted to another character in particular? Not, not, not really. I think, you know, one of the things that Guy and Jamie were really conscious of is that um, it does, it didn't feel or shouldn't feel like things were just retcon because, you know, we, we had to put a bandaid over anything. I think that, you know, those, those guys are both really conscientious, conscientious writers. And I think that uh, when, when something needs, gets pulled up by the roots like that, you know, I think they're really, they're really okay with like diving in and doing the hard work to make sure that, um, that whatever the story is feels feels really natural and really organic and really like it has a reason to be right was um so we obviously lost dewey the last time around heartbreaking was gail ever right, in danger yeah. of of dying this time was there ever a permutation that gail wasn't going to make it 
No, we 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 still feel bad about Dewey while we think it was right for that movie and we would do it again. Uh, but, you know, we as fans before we were involved in Scream, it hurts. It hurts, you know, and uh, we didn't want it. That to us would just be too cruel. It'd be too it'd be too much. It wouldn't be. It would it would take away too much of the fun of Scream, you know, and I think we did that in the last one and it made it really hard but it also helps the movie and brings it all together. And, you know, it's, it's that balancing act, but in this one, we wanted to, uh, we wanted to make sure Gail made it through. We talk a lot about how that first movie is really like um, a secret feel good movie that the people, the characters that you love, they survive. Like, and that's one of the reasons why it's, it's, it's such an evergreen, such a timeless, such a classic is because it's something that I think it feels so good to go back to, even when you know how brutal it is, the outcome is still so satisfying and cathartic because the characters you've fallen in love with make it make it out alive. Right. And um, and I think that uh, that's just we love movies like that. Like we we just love we love watching those movies and we love making those movies when you put your characters through hell and they come out the other end just you know with the shit beaten out of them, but right. survivors. One of the I think most I, cons- you know, yeah go ahead Matt yeah. Oh. Yeah, please. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, one of the things I think in our through line, if you like go back through all of our work, it's like we started off kind of doing like dark, funny stuff. But then in our first couple like anthologies, we went really dark. They were still kind of funny, but they but they they had like a really dark ending. And I think there was something for us when we got to Ready or Not. And we that ending changed a lot. Like in the beginning, in the original versions of Ready or Not, she dies in the end. And it was very much a bummer. And when it came, <laughs> lives, yeah, it's such a different movie. It really, it was like this real great moment of catharsis, and like right. you're with her and you're loving it. I think that really changed something in us where we were like, oh, that's the feeling we want. Like that's what we want. And so there's something you know that I think since then, you know, in varying ways and trying to keep ourselves fresh and challenging it, I think we still always kind of aim for what is that moment you walk out of a movie and go, fuck yeah, I feel yeah. good. You know, even everything you set through was shitty and awful for the characters. Well, you also get to have your cake and eat it, too, because you still get to really um, pour Samara. You put through the ringer. If, even if she made it through ready or not, <laughs> she doesn't make it through the first 10 minutes of this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a bad, a bad, bad experience yeah. for Grace in this one. <laughs> is, this, is this your vendetta against film professors? Should we know? Do you just... Uh... Oh, that's a... We should we should ask Guy and Jamie about that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, <laughs> so let's dig so, deep. Maybe little, yeah. <laughs> so if there if there's one th- theme that that recurs in these wonderful screen movies uh, among many, it's um the prevalence of fucked up families, and we're introduced to a uh, a doozy of a fucked up family at the end of this one as your killers uh, again. <laughs> Is this always was this always the path from the beginning, from the earliest inception of the script that you were, was delivered to you guys in your conversations? Um, were these always your bad guys? You know, it's we we sort of I feel like we need to kind of go back through our notes and figure out when exactly things started sort of shifting with that. I like Matt had said the the foundation of the structure of you know what the movie was was super solid and really didn't change a lot, but within that. You know, as you as you start prepping and you're finding locations and you're getting inspired by, you know, who you're casting and all of that, I think that um, you really start rattle testing everything in the script. And I think one of the things for us that was that was really great in the first draft of this, but evolved to ultimately be what's on the screen is that is that group of of killers. It was always three 
And there was more of a kind of vigilante justice angle, I think. Guys right in that in the first. It was first the misdirect. It's what it was basically yeah. with the we're here to frame you. To frame you. And I think for us it was it was really or get revenge, like, sorry. For as for as kind of bombastic and crazy as this movie is, that at the end when you when you get to the reveal and you get to the reveal of the motive, which is something that I think all audience members are like waiting for, right? That's that's kind of one of the classic ingredients of these movies, that big monologue. I think for us, we we just wanted something to be really simple and primal. We wanted that to be something that was super, um, super emotional and just really clean and clear and ultimately doesn't need a lot of ex- explanation. Like Matt said, that the big misdirect of, yeah, we, we started these rumors online about you to frame you, but it's actually just a revenge story. Right. Um, and certainly also drafting off of screen too, which is is a revenge story as well. And then of course the idea of this found family coming together in this movie, our heroes as a found family, and then sort of pulling that theme into who the killers was. There's a there's a symmetry in that that we think um was just really, really nice and made a lot of sense for this one. Uh I really want to talk about the setting of the last uh, act of your film, which is just uh, this amazing <laughs> shrine. Uh, in practice and in reality, I would think, to scream, to stab, to these murders. Um, talk to me about constructing those, that 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 shrine, and like, are those actual props from those films? Tell me about like shooting in that environment and creating that environment. That, that, yeah, no. that... go for it. No, go ahead. I was just going to say that that this that this is a great question that also kind of dovetails with what we were talking about with the way we work with Guy and Jamie is the draft that we originally got. It was a warehouse. It wasn't a movie theater. And the 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 props were not specifically what they are now. I can't quite remember exactly I what think they it were. It was a combination of the true crime props and, and, and stab, stab movie and stab. props. Yeah. 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 And so there was like this, you know, and again, we're in you know, in pre-production during all of this, trying to figure it out with these guys. And we knew like location, we had to find a location. And then uh, Michelle La Liberté, our production designer, was like, hey, there's this really great movie theater we could use. And we were like, whoa, that's awesome. And it looks incredible. And we told Guy and Jamie. And then that kind of got them going on like, well, what would that be? How can we apply? How can How can that inform the movie? And why would that matter? And, you know, it's like one domino starts falling and it leads to what ends up in the movie. But uh, we had tons of, not arguments, uh, conversations about are these true crime props? Are these movie props? What? And what we landed on is, oh, these are these are actual from the crime. Yeah, which then, you know, played into the Bailey thing. And I mean, we had tons of jokes about how how did this actually get constructed in the world of the movie <laughs> but, you know that's the world of scream uh but German had an amazing like, ad lib what was his ad lib matt the uh, the shipping costs uh, were astronomical right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know walking on that set the, we had, and we had a million conversations about how to actually lay it out so that you know we could block the scene to kind of move and evolve and it wouldn't just be like scream five because they're in a corner in a kitchen the whole time right you know we wanted this to kind of keep moving and you know get uh, Dermot up on stage and really go go somewhere with it. But uh, walking on that set for the first time as Scream fans was 
I, like unforgettable, like a, a life, a life high memory. You know, you're just like, holy shit, like this stuff is so cool. And it was really a handshake between all departments coming together to just create this thing that I think it surpassed any of our expectations for how cool it was. Yeah. And just building off of that a little bit, I yeah. think we were talking earlier about the yes ending and, and moving everything forward because the the fan films that are playing in the theater that are kind of setting the mood the whole time weren't were, like that was added at once we found the location once we were able to find like the screen and Jamie and Guy came up to Montreal and they did a complete walkthrough of the theater so we could actually go then go back and you know make sure that the parts of the script that you know were were executed for specific locations and everything like that too but then going with the fan films and whose fan films these are and who made these movies that we're seeing and playing in the background. And then reaching out to Jack Quaid to like complete that thematic circle of family and bring in all of that together was just, we just kept building on it and building on it and building on it. So it could, you know, we could get that emotional release at the end of the movie too. And as well as that, holy shit, this is the entire franchise, which yeah. I think is a line that, that is that Mindy actually says, um, you know, and just really like tying it up that way nicely. I'm sure you guys are aware of like the constant speculation and the rumors and the fan theories. And that's, that's part of the fun of these films. <laughs> yeah. um, and let, let me just put it to you bluntly in your canon is Stu alive. What's up with Matthew <laughs> Willard? What's going on? Was there ever, there were we, all these rumors thoughts. Oh, he's going to come back. <laughs> what did you make of that? We, What's your take? I mean, we love, we love poking that bear. I think that that's just part of what's fun about, about the fandom and about the movies. I mean, obviously, you know, that was the, the same conversation was happening around, around Hayden's character, around Kirby for, yeah. for 11 years, mm -hmm. right. Until we dropped a tiny little Easter egg in scream five. And I think that, um, I think that that's one of the things that, that we love, we love about these movies is that they, people connect to them in such a specific way and they connect to specific characters in a really specific way. And I, I think that that's, um, I mean, it's, it's common with all big with all big franchises, but I think there's something about the nature of these movies as as horror films, whodunits. Like there's a there's something really sticky about them that attracts that attracts uh, a really rabid fan base. Um, Stu Mocker is dead, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Stu, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it depends on who you ask. Even amongst the five of us, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> so wait, there's like disagreement that, no, within Radio Silence? That, that That's just Tyler's well, guy, you guys say? Right. Well, guy, okay. the writer, one of the writers, uh, is a, he's a real stewhead. He's like, always like, guys, we gotta do it. So I, I, I would say that the debate remains alive. Okay. <laughs> but right. uh, and look, I don't think dead, but <laughs> we brought we brought Billy Billy Loomis back as a hallucination. So I, I feel like, you know, at this point, anything's yeah. anything's fucking possible. You're you're forced to I think, I, I, think yeah. I normally yeah, I think I hallucinate Stu on a regular basis as like, you know, in just real life. So it's pretty great. <laughs> Now we're now we're just waiting for the return, of obviously, of film class guy number one, uh, Joshua Jackson. That Joshua seems inevitable, Jackson. right? Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, exactly. Nothing else we need to know is what his actual name was. That's that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, any any talk of a Ryan Johnson cameo this time around, or was that, that did that ship sail with the last scream? That ship sailed with the last one. We did have a chance to talk with him, though, um, after the release of the last one, just about sort of fandom and fan culture in general. And he was like, 
yo, you guys are experiencing something far crazier than I even experienced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys but he was so lovely to like, yeah. so lovely to want to, to want to be involved um, at all. And obviously our, we are just massive, massive fans. And, you know, he, he's sort of at the tip of the spear in so many ways, like the release of, of that movie, I think kind of opened the doors to this new way of, of this new wave of fandom. And I, I mean, and I, of course, I think it was always, it was always present in some way, but it feels like that, um, that we sort of crossed the threshold as a film culture with that, with that movie. And um, we're just happy that we got to use his name, you know, associate him at all with this universe is really, really fun. Look, I'm literally talking to you guys the day of your premiere, so this is like beyond cruel, but where are we at for the future? Have you guys already sussed out what the next screen film is? Are you on board? Should the audience be there? Which I know they will be there. Um, where are we at? We ha- I wish we had something cool to report, but we don't. This yeah. is, you know, it's very much a, like, you know, I think we think I and Jamie are working on some stuff, but, you know, part of our process with them and uh, regardless of our involvement is they, you know, they like to kind of silo themselves for the script so that they can get really fresh eyes and fresh reads from us and that it's not like this kind of ongoing process. So I'm sure they're cooking up something awesome, you know? Is there, is there an interest? Not- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was saying, you know, one of the things that we love about Scream, and I think we found this out by doing it is that it's a, it's a, it's a franchise that has to reinvent itself. And because yeah. of that, it can continue to reinvent itself and go on as long as people show up. Is there interest? I mean, look in this in this in this culture now, where like these cinematic universes, there must have been discussion by now about side stories going back in time, et cetera, of doing a TV series set in in the Scream world. Have you guys had those discussions? Would that interest you? I mean, they did a TV a TV series for a hot minute. Yeah. Um, I. I, we talk a lot about wanting to make a stab movie series. It'd be how fun it would be to actually make like a grindhouse, a grindhouse stab franchise. Nice. And like right on the heels of, of, you know, the big screen movie releases, you, you, you know, put out a super B movie, you know, like fun down and dirty slasher. Um, but I, I don't, I mean, yeah, I think that, but I also think that there's something, one of the things that is, um, is, one of the reasons this franchise continues to have so much value is that it um, it is really like on a path, you know, Ghostface, yeah. collection of characters you love. And um, I mean, I think you can, as Matt said, you can kind of rinse and repeat that formula in different in different ways. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think it definitely would be fun. Jennifer Jolie, a little Jennifer Jolie side story. <laughs> oh, what that is, that'd be great. <laughs> I, I don't know how much you can say, and I presume not much, but I just have to say, I am a John Carpenter obsessive, and I am very, very, very excited at the idea of you guys taking on Escape from New York. Um, where are we at? What's going on, guys? Deep, deep development. Let's just say that um, it's very, 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 very early stages. And, and again, that's you know we we do have we're having another call about it this week um, just to see you know the path to go down. But again, we. We're, we're very much masochists in terms of what we want to do in terms of our career. So it's like, it makes sense One of the for us. Steps of giants. <laughs> <laughs> have have but, you met, have but, you met, yeah. have you spoken with, with John? Have you spoken with Kurt Russell? No, not yet. Not no. yet. And that, that would hopefully be the next steps. Um, 
it, in I your... think that's it. The yeah. cha- it's the sort of challenge is like, I mean, you know, it's, it's another thing that we love so much. And so making sure that whatever, whatever the path forward is that it, that it feels spiritually as connected to that as, you know, scream as our scream movies feel to the originals. Cause I, you know, that's another one saying that we're just, it's so influential to us. Yeah. Is that, can you say at least, is that, is that a sequel? It's not a reboot. Is that something that would retain the continuity and the character of Snake Plissken going forward? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be in the same world. Yeah. A requel, as maybe like Rick Martin would say. Yeah, a like a sequel. <laughs> yeah. You don't just get rid of and recast Snake Plissken. What madman yeah. would want to do no. that? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where, where are you guys at? I'm curious now in terms of just like weighing your options because like before Scream happened, off of Ready or Not, were you were you pitching on, on like a ton of IP? Were you being pitched or pitching a ton of IP related projects? Is that... Is that something that is interesting to you? Or are you excited about dipping your toe into other, you know, the Marvels and DCs and the Star Wars, all the obvious giant IP? I think we have a very, like, I, 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 our mentality hasn't really changed since we were doing, like, indie anthologies with our friends. And, you know, the, the first thing that we got pitched after Ready or Not was, I'm not sure we've told this story ever, right? About, we were, we were having drinks with Samara, and Jimmy, her husband, was there. And after a couple of drinks, Samara was like, you guys have to read Jimmy's script. You have to read it. It's great. It's called Cocaine Bear. And we were like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> uh, and, then, and then we read it. And we were like, oh, this is fucking great. And it, Samara was like, guys, I'm so sorry I was pushing Jimmy's script on you. Like, oh, my God. And we were like, it's really good. And then we we ended up signing on to that with like Chris and Phil, Lord and Miller. And yep. there was a period where we were involved in that. And like we were like in love with it. We really wanted yeah. to do it. And then Scream came along and like we we were just such massive fans. It was like a chance of a lifetime and we couldn't say no. But it was really hard to leave that project. Yeah, like, that, that was, was a tough one. Well, yeah. that shows you had, really good, you had good judgment. That's a... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and I think that we yeah, I think ahead. that we are like the kind of I think we're the kind of the kind of filmmakers who, you know, are are maybe more like want to model our careers more after like Ron Howard, you know, where we just want to make stuff like we just want to make yeah. movies. And I yeah. think that um, if we could do if we could just roll into the next thing and then roll into the next thing, I we we really love the process. Our, our relationship with the process is really is really kind and really friendly and really full of inspiration. Like we're not we're not tortured by by production like it's it's a vacation for us we we genuinely genuinely love the process of making something and so i think the more we can do that the the better i i think it'd be go insane if it was like five six years in between in between movies for us no thank you are are you comic book guys are you marvel and dc guys is that something that would be an exciting opportunity a big time i mean i think if the thing was right of course you know i i we, we all grew up you know loving comic books and and certainly love that those those franchises feel like they're at a uh, a point in their evolution where they're going to have to start taking some some big risks just to to keep things interesting and we're here we're here for it we're we're excited to see what happens next with dc and and marvel and, and does it feel like at this point because like look again looking at the resume thus far most of it if not all of it is really horror based in that in that milieu is it is it feel like it's time to like show off like you know, you mentioned someone like ron howard ron howard is like 
you know, the Billy Wilder yeah. of, of the <laughs> yes. last like 30 years. And like, yeah. he's done every conceivable genre. And is it the kind of thought of like, before we go too far down this one path, we got to show folks we contain multitudes. I mean, I think that's the dream really to do, you know, it is, it's like the Ron Howard thing. It's like Rob Reiner, Billy Wilder. Yeah. It's like all these like guys who we just love that they were able to make movies like when you look at Rob Reiner and you're like, wait, you made Misery and Stand By Me? Like, I can't even, you know, but that's the era we grew up in, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, there's something so special about that. And part of that too, admittedly, is that was an era when movies were just movies and everything wasn't, you know, what it is now, you know, not, not like shitting on anything, no, but no. like there has obviously a real shift in the way we consume movies and the way movies are made. And I think, you know, there's a lot more, there are a lot more movies being made now, but unfortunately it feels like they can just go by you. And unless somebody tells you to go see it, you might not see it until like two years later. So that, that conversation where everybody's talking about the same movie that, that is such like when we were kids was such a part of it, you know, we all mm -hmm. fell in love with Indiana Jones and all our friends loved Indiana Jones. And then it was, you know, the mask or, I mean, whatever. Uh, I think we just long for something like that. And I, to be able to be a part of something like that, where you're making, new ideas, old ideas in a new way, whatever that is, just, it, it's this, it's kind of what Chad and Tyler were saying. It's like, we just want to keep making stuff. Yeah. It's not so much to us about what genre it's in as much as it is, is this a cool story and are we excited about it? Well, that's what must have made also like Ready or Not such an intoxicating moment, I would imagine for you guys, because like, it was like no IP and just like, at mm -hmm. least look, it wasn't a billion dollar movie, but it made a, enough and it was part of the cultural conversation in that yeah. period of time. And that is, as you well know, it's like, it basically is IP or horror right now. Yeah. That's all yeah. you get. That's all you get. Yeah. <laughs> it's a breakthrough. It's, it's crazy. It's weird. It's, it's bizarre. And we're lucky enough to be in the horror part of that, but right. it is, it is. Yeah. I mean, ready or not was uh, like a life changer for us. I'm still amazed that that yeah. movie has stayed a part of the conversation as long as it has. And is there yeah, any I mean, active, it's a dream. <laughs> is there any active conversation on, on doing anything more with poor Samara yes. now that she survived it? Yes, there is. Oh yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. And, that, and we can report that what we know about it is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. So you're jazz. You're excited about potentially extremely excited we're excited about okay. that okay I, I will watch this space all right I'll, I'll end on this note um i give you the power to retcon anything from the scream franchise you can bring anyone back to life and play with them because as much that's part of the cruelty of this franchise is we've had such great characters and then wes kept ripping them away from us so who would you have liked yeah. to have played with that isn't around anymore I mean, I feel like we'd all say Stu, right? <laughs> yeah. Only one of you said Stu is totally dead. I mean, it'd be, it'd be like a Stu Parker Posey like combo movie. I think that would be pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> get to meet Matthew on the last one, and he is—he's just one of a kind. He—he's there's something so contagious about his energy, and I mean, even if it just for the, the the chance to like work with him for a few minutes, it'd be it'd be worth bringing Stu back. <laughs> Where there's yeah. a will, there's um, a way. You can do it. You can make this happen. I also <laughs> got to say, just on that tip too, and not not because it's our movie, but we saw a lot of the cast from Scream 5 came out for this premiere this weekend. So we got to see like Dylan and Mikey uh, yesterday. And it was- Jack it was, Quaid is here. Yeah. Jack Quaid yeah. is here. And it was like so wonderful seeing them all 
hang out with the new cast and get to see them all. And I mean, I miss working with Mikey and Jack, you know what I mean? Like as the ghost face, like they were, they're so good. So yeah. And kudos to you guys, by the way, and all done this, just like, again, like Wes and Kevin did on the initial of just the casting, like we've, we're already seeing, I mean, Jenna Ortega has taken over the planet. She's ruling. We, we all are her subjects, apparently. <laughs> like, it's just amazing. In just like a short year, like your cast is already going off and doing amazing things. So, so well done on all fronts. Um, They're also Congratulations, guys. Um, I, I honestly, I'm I'm a big fan of you, your uh, all your work, and this one, I I like this one even more than the last one. This is great movie. Screen Six is Thank awesome. You. Um, <laughs> people, I know people are gonna dig it. Um, congrats. Enjoy the premiere, and um, I look forward to be able to talk to you more about all your secretive projects when when the time is right. Would love it. <laughs> Thanks awesome. so much for yeah. Thanks so much, Josh. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>